All right, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to offer a prayer, and then we'll get into this. God, we want to thank you for the community of faith and how we can come together in worship and in your word and in celebration. Lord, I pray for those who are part of our community that, that are struggling. I pray that your grace be upon them right now. That they would know your love. Experience your mercy. And Lord, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. My rock and my redeemer. Amen. All right. First John chapter 3. We're looking at the last verse of chapter 3 into the first verse of chapter 4. And this is how it reads. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, as we have been journeying through this letter, first, uh, John's first letter to the church... We have been talking about consistently about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about that the Holy Spirit is the one that causes the transformation inside us. The Holy Spirit changes our hearts. And then because of that heart change, because of the Spirit of the Lord, then our our lives on the outside begin to change. And it's only the Spirit of God that can do that change. So we have been kind of talking through 1 John and we've been making mention of the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. But now in this letter, this is the first time that John is actually mentioning the Spirit, capital S. This is his first mention. Though we've taken it for granted, this is the first time that he will write about the Holy Spirit to the church. Now we know that as we have been empowered by the work of the Spirit in our lives, things become different for us. And that's, that's gospel 101. That's the foundation of our faith. Now, and that's what, that's what makes us Christian. See, being good people, better than the next person, does not make us a Christian. Having some higher moral standard or trying to achieve some higher ethical standard does not make us Christian. Coming to church does not make you a Christian. Singing songs, raising your hands, none of that makes us necessarily Christian. It's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, transforming you. That is what makes us followers of Jesus Christ. Then we can give ourselves the label of Christian. All of that other stuff may happen because of the Spirit inside of you, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have the Holy Spirit. See, the difference between us and them, and I hate to say us and them, but the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is we have the spirit of the living God. And that's our power. That's our focus. In chapter 14 of John's gospel, he, he records the words of Jesus, and Jesus is telling his disciples, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send to you the spirit of truth, and I will live in you, and the Father will, will live in you through the power, the indwelling of the Spirit. It's an amazing promise and a gift. In fact, I just, I just want to read a little bit of that so you can get a taste of what Jesus is speaking of. If you love me, keep my commands. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither knows him or sees him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Those are the words of Jesus. It's an amazing promise describing this mystical union between Jesus' followers and God. And it's the same thing that John is saying here in verse 24. That we know that we are in God because of the spirit that he, is, that he has given us. And, and, I, and I believe that if we can fully understand that we have been given the spirit of the living God, he dwells within us. If we can fully get a hold of that idea and walk in that authority, church would be a very different place. And I don't, I'm not even sure I know how different it would be, like, like what it would really look like. But I know it would be a very, very different place if all the followers of Jesus Christ were able to walk powerfully in the anointing that you already have. And that we would mess up this world for the kingdom of God. I mean, in a good way, mess up. But, but people would begin to take notice. People would not look at Christianity as being some irrelevant backwater type of, of, of uh, faith. But we would be on the forefront of the kingdom of God here on earth. I think it would even, I laugh at Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon everybody. And all the, all the people were taking notice like, what's wrong with these people? Wouldn't it be great if people, well, they do say what's wrong with us, but not in a good way. We would take the world by storm with the gospel in the kingdom if we would understand that we walk and have the power of the Spirit. He's living and working in us. Now, let me say this, that as the Spirit is in us, He is changing us. He is molding us. Philippians chapter 2 says that God works in you to will and act and according to, to, to fulfill his purpose, it's, it's God working in us. And his purposes are good and sacred and holy. And that, my friends, that, my friends, is what transformation is all apart, about. That God is at work in us, transforming us to do his will, to do his purposes. That's the power of the spirit in us. And let me tell you, transformation, I mean, real transformation, it will mess with you. It can mess you up, again, in a good way, but it can mess you up. I mean, you just be going along, you're doing your thing, doing the do, living life, and all of a sudden, bam, God shows up. And things get pulled out, plucked out, refined, remolded, reshaped. Everything begins to change. And that can be not only a little painful, that could be a little messy. But it's the power of the Spirit in you, and it's, I'm telling you, it's a good messy. It's a very good messy. And then we become aware Painfully aware that we are being dealt with by the living God. That we are being changed in the deep recess of our heart and of our soul. See, that's Holy Spirit stuff. And so how do we keep his commands? It's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And in that sanctifying work of the Spirit, he is also convicting us of our sin. We talked about it last week that sometimes when we sit quietly at rest before the Lord, said that, that if our hearts condemn us, but, but we know that we are following Christ because the transformation is taking place on the inside and that we're beginning to live differently on the outside. And that condemnation is not condemnation. It's the sanctifying work of the spirits. And that's the conviction of our sin. That the the Holy Spirit gets in there and says, I, I don't like that. And we, we need to deal with that. And just when you thought you, you, you finished with one thing, surprise, there's something else that he wants to deal with. 
That's not condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. There is sanctification for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then we begin to see things from a very different place, a different perspective, with different eyes, with, with spiritual eyes. We, come, we become more interested in spiritual things, in, in things of the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, that they become evident in our lives. And also the, 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 the disdain, the hatred for our own sin, the desire for holiness, the love of God's commands. These, this is the spirit alive and well in the church, in the, in the lives of believers. This is what it kind of looks like. It's working in us. It's transforming us. It's refining us. It's molding us. That's how we know we are of God, that he has given us the spirit. And then what I find interesting about the letters in the Bible, we have given them chapter and verse. But when you write a letter, you don't usually use chapter and verse. And let me, let me just give you a little bit of advice. If you're writing a letter and it's long enough that you need to put uh, uh, chapters in it, you should probably just call a person because that's way too long. But in here for our study that was free. And here, that, um, for our study, we have to understand that this is, this is John's entire thoughts. And so that he wouldn't have put two different chapters. So he talks about the Spirit. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. And then he goes right to, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so here what we see is the scriptures bringing balance to itself. The scriptures always reveal God that way. Very, very balanced. It's the way that revelation comes. And, and I really think that if we lived our lives more in this spiritual, biblical balance, then, then churches would get along much better with each other. If we can just find that, that balanced but unfortunately, it's our sinful nature, and we all have that sinful nature, that, that leads us to extremes in our life. We swing one way, or we can swing the other way, and, and that's, that's the sinfulness in us, that, that we can go from one extreme to the other. But the Bible will always bring us in the spiritual context to a place, or reveal a place of a sacred, holy balance. Now, I'm going to say that one thing that can get way out of balance in our lives, one thing that can swing from extreme to extreme, is things in the spiritual realm, spirituality. And one of the biggest concerns in spirituality that can have this, this pendulum swing is the subject of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you talk about spirituality, they're, they're really, I believe there are really two extremes that come into play. First, there's just experience. Experience is the single most important thing. That's, that's the, the one extreme. And the other one would be just doctrine or theology. Theology or doctrine is the single most important thing. And if you concentrate on one, you, will, uh, you, do, it at the, uh, you do it by, by taking, out, taking away from the other one. But the Bible brings everything into balance, into harmony. Experience and theology does not contradict each other. They can actually mingle in harmony. They should be mingling in harmony with each other. This is the way the Bible speaks. This is the way uh, the Word of God reveals itself. I remember... Um, a few years ago, I attended, uh, I attended a conference, 
And in this conference, they were talking about the, the Holy Spirit coming down upon this, this group of people. And they all laid on their backs. This is what was shared with me. They all laid on their backs and they kind of put their feet up in the air. And they were pedaling a bicycle in the air. And this whole prayer group uh, was doing this. And what they said was it was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in all of these people that caused them to lay on their backs, put their feet up in the air, and pedal an air bicycle. And I, I wasn't there. I, I didn't experience it. I, I don't know. But, but in my spirit, I have this check to say that, that for me, it doesn't quite line up with what the Bible reveals about the Spirit of God. And so I, I, it very may could have, I, I know that the Holy Spirit will make a fool out of people for the glory of, of God. And, and maybe that's what it was, but, but I just have this sense that it doesn't quite match up with who I know what, what God is. And that's one extreme of experience where it could take place. But then it, we have to be very careful that we don't swing all the way over to the other side to theology or doctrine. And so it becomes just our... our Spirituality becomes just an intellectual pursuit, some mechanical orthodoxy that, that is just very cut and dry, and there seems to be no life in it. We cannot, we cannot take one extreme over the other. We cannot take one at the expense of the other because biblically, experience and theology will coincide. They will not contradict each other. And that's what John is addressing here. He says, you've experienced these things, but you need to test the spirits to make sure. Now, remember that he's writing to people in the church, and these people were experiencing something very different. There was a group of people in this church that, that claimed to have some, uh, some different spiritual journey that took place, which then gave them this new revelation of who Jesus Christ is. They gave them new knowledge and new truth that no one has ever heard of. And they began teaching that to the people. Um, and it was contradicting what the original gospel that was brought to them said. And so this was causing a big stir because the people like, well, well, who's right and who's wrong? Well, well, we want this extra spiritual encounter. We haven't had it. And so John is telling them, you need to test the spirits. Don't, don't believe everyone that comes your way. It was going against the gospel. And it was solely based upon their experience, these people. And it did not, it was not grounded in the truth of who Jesus was. In fact, they said that Jesus was just a man and not God, the Messiah. What John is telling us very clearly is that doctrine and our experience of God will not contradict. If it is from God, they will complement each other. Throughout the history of the church, we've wrestled with this, this swing of one extreme to the other. Luther and Calvin wrestled with it. Uh, the Puritan movement, uh, they wrestled with it with these extremes on, on one side or the other. It's not, it's not an either-or thing. It's not either experience or uh, theology. It, it's both and. Um, it's, 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 it's experience and our theology, good theology, combining and confirming each other. We know... We know it's by, we know he lives in us because of the spirit that he's given us. And then he says, make sure that you test the spirits. 
You know, we say that it's not enough to go to church. And so we ask the question, is there transformation in people's lives? Are they born again? Is there evidence of the God life? Are they living in a certain way that can give evidence to an internal transformation that God is actually doing? The gospel is about life. The gospel is about life today. The gospel is about kingdom life today. So it's not just about theological concepts. It's also about our experience. But our experience has to come in line with the revelation of who God is. It can't be some funky teaching that kind of hangs out there. Something that somebody's invented or invited us to join into. It has to line up with already what the revelation of who God is and what it means to be a child of God from this text. This is our authority because we believe it has been inspired by God. And so anything that we experience that runs counter to this is wrong. And we have to hold it to this test. Now, I guess for me as a pastor, as I was kind of thinking through this, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, but it, but I, I can think of uh, just a couple instances. I guess I'm pretty comfortable if I'm criticized from either one of these two extremes. Like, if, if, I'm, if I'm accused of being um, in, in the realm of a mystic, a, a Christian mystic and just kind of prayerfully and, and contemplatively praying to God. I, I, guess, I guess I'm okay if I'm criticized from those who are, are looking at faith at a, from a purely intellectual pursuit. And then I guess I'm okay if I'm, if I'm uh, criticized by those on the other side, that, you know, the, the type of people who are always just kind of with their head in the clouds um, because I do love doctrine, good doctrine and good theology. And so, and so I, I, just, I just hope that my life is swinging in this balance of the things I'm experiencing line up with the word of God. And, and I guess I would worry if, if criticism only came from one camp, then maybe I'd have to really look at myself and say, maybe things are out of balance for me. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit is essential in the believer's life experience of the Holy Spirit is important in the believer's life. And so is the truth of the scripture. And so is a proper understanding of what the Bible teaches. John is telling us, test the spirits, test the experience, test the words. Are they from God? Do they align with God? You know, in our culture, people just want to believe what they want to believe. And they believe that if they believe what they want to believe and good comes out of what they believe, then, then it's okay for whatever they believe because it's something good. And they're very sincere in their belief. But sincerity has very little to do with it because you can be sincerely involved in a lie or in something that's not true. See, our experience has to line up with the Bible. Our experiences have to be held up to the light of who God is. It's a command. The scriptures tell us to do it. And why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. There are many people who are claiming false things in the name of God today in this world. And they're vying for your attention. They want you to believe. They want you to follow them into something that's just not true. It goes against the word of God. In fact, in this world, there are, we, we, we don't fight against flesh and blood. 
We fight against, we war against principalities, powers, rulers of this dark world. We, we fight against wickedness that's here in this world today. And so guess what? You know what? There are evil spirits on the prowl in this world today. There are demons in this world today. There are false prophets. There's the devil himself. And the scriptures tell us that he is so clever and he is so deceiving that he can appear as an angel of light. Test the spirits. Test the experience. Test the words. If it was only the Holy Spirit that was around, then we didn't have to worry about it. We would all be good. It would be fine. But it's not so. It's not true. John told us early off in the letter that this whole world is under the influence of the evil one. You see, it's not just about being sincere. It's not just about something good happening. Is the truth the truth? Are you hearing or experiencing something that? is true about how God is revealed himself in these words and in these pages. And church, let me tell you, it's not a test just for the pastor. It's not a test just for the elders who who keep an eye on even the things that I say. It's not a test just for ministry leaders or, you know, uh, spiritual people should be doing this. He starts off, dear friends, dear friends, he's speaking to the entire church. He's speaking to everyone. Everyone has to test, test the spirit, test the spirits, test the experience, test the words. Everyone, it's our responsibility. Don't believe everything that you hear. And don't worry that you might not know, because if you are walking with the Lord, if you have the spirit of the living God in you, you've been given the discernment to hold up your experience, to hold up the things that you've heard in light of the scripture. The Holy Spirit enlightens those things within you. And so, you know, you can know. In Philippians, Paul writes that that we have been given the spirit of God so that we can know the things that he has freely given us. We have been given the spirit of God so that we could know the things that he has freely given to us. All right, that was my introduction. Let's get on to the rest. (laughs) Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay, so, so let's ask the question. What's the test? How do we test? Is there, is there a fill in the bubble? Is there an SAT test? I mean, what does it look like to test the spirit? And that's a great question. Thank you for asking it this morning. I'm going to begin to answer that question by telling you what, the t- what, what is not the test. Now, certain people will argue or claim that there are particular gifts within the church that if you do not have, then you do not have the Holy Spirit in you. And, and, and one of those is, is the gift of tongues. Many people will believe, well, I don't say many. Some people will believe that if you cannot speak in tongues, then you do not have the Holy Spirit. And then there's other, um, there's other gifts, like a gift of pr- the prophetic, uh, the gift of healing. But the big one really is this, this whole idea of tongues. Now, if we go to chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, Paul kind of lays out for us. He goes, does everyone have the gift of the prophetic? Does everyone have the gift of tongues or the gift of healings? And and the answer is no. And that whole chapter just kind of fleshes out this idea that that God is the one that gives the gifts. God is the one that giveth and the good Lord taketh away. He gives as he sees fit or as he pleases. 
And so to think that, that the supernatural or the manifestation of some gifting is proof that, that the Spirit is from God is, is dangerous. If, if that's just your test, it can be dangerous. You cannot just say, wow, look at look that. He healed that person. Or he's speaking in a language that I've never heard of. Or he's given me a prophetic word. He must be of the Lord. You have to test the spirit. Because evil spirits, evil spirits can do what we consider to be miracles. They can manifest themselves in the miraculous because they're supernatural beings. Jesus warned us and he said they're going to do some pretty amazing things. Some pretty cool stuff. In fact, if God didn't cut those days short, even the elect would fall. And so the supernatural is not a good test. Don't be fooled. And and, 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 uh, uh, the the test of, uh, if somebody's very passionate or seems very spiritual, and and they're always just talking about spirituality and growing and loving and and those types of things, that is also not a good test. And that doesn't fit uh, what Paul, or uh, what, yeah, who? John, what John is saying here. Demonic forces can make people just as passionate about a lie as we can be about the truth. Great words, uh, energy, confidence, even good preaching is not the test unless it stands to the word of God. Dreams and visions, they're not a good test. If somebody says, I had a dream, I had a vision... You have to test it. I would even say answered prayers aren't necessarily the best of a test because they can be a counterfeit experience by the enemy himself. I hope you're understanding this. I hope I didn't freak out about the prayer thing, but, but we have to test spirits. So what is it? What is the best test? Well, I'll be very straightforward. And I have no problem repeating this over and over again because this is how important I do believe this is. Is the experience, is the words that you're hearing, are the words that you're speaking, is it lining up with the scripture? That's, that's number one. Is it lining up with the scripture? Does it line up with who God is as he's revealed himself in the scripture? Does it fit a good, biblical, solid doctrine? John is going to tell us in um Chapter 4, in the next verse, verse 2, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus came in the flesh is of God. We hold everything up to this standard, to this light. It has to be this. Even my own words, you should test my words and make sure that my words hold up to this. That's why we have elders, that they come to me and say, no. And, and you can come to me and say, I'm having trouble with, with that. Don't do it in the email. You know, I delete those. But if you want to come face to face to me, I am not, I don't stand outside of this at all. In fact, man, I'm in it. The scriptures tell me that I will be judged more severely because I teach. We hold everything up to the light of the scripture. John, later on, he'll tell us that he is from God and that if you are from God, you will listen to me. And what that means for us is that if we are from God, we will pay attention to what the Bible says. Uh, a few months ago, I was asked to go um, 
pray in someone's house. They, they, they felt things were kind of off. And so uh, they're not church people. And so I went to the house. And, and usually in those contexts, I, I immediately start asking questions. I ask if, if any occultic practices have been taking place here. If, if, if you know, things like the Ouija board and, um, you know, speaking to spirits. And, and I also ask if, if, you've gone, if they've gone to uh, a psychic at all. And this person said, well, yeah, I've, I've gone a, a bunch of times. But she, but she prays before she, she does that. And I went, oh, no, see, 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 the Bible. First of all, let me just say that the Bible tells us not to play with that stuff for a reason. Because there is truth to it and there's danger to it. That we're not to, we're not to go to the dead to ask about the living. That's what the scriptures tell us. God doesn't warn us against trolls under the bridge or unicorns because they don't exist, but there's something there. And, and any psychic that will pray to God first, they don't line up with the scripture. God says, don't play with that. It's dangerous. And so it doesn't, doesn't matter what she did beforehand. What she was doing does not line up with the scripture. It always has to be here, always has to land here. And then I think another great test is the person willing to submit themselves to the authority of what the Bible says. Are, are we willing to be corrected through the scripture? Is there a humility there? Is, is the life mirroring what it looks like to be a child of God? Because those things can't be dismissed. If we are children of God, then the spirit is in us and it will cause us to live a certain way. Not, not you trying to change your behavior, modify behavior, be a good person. It's the Holy Spirit that, that does that work. I'm going to say that one of the greatest tests, I, I believe, whatever is being said, whatever is being done, is it being said or done to the glory of the Lord? Is Jesus the center? Is he the foundation? Is he the one being praised and confessed? Is he recognized as Lord and Savior? Is he the one that's getting the credit? Is it being done in his name? Is it for the glory of the Lord? If not, red flag. Ding, 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 ding. Don't go there. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of doctrine and experience, of intellect and in the heart. He engages the entire person heart, mind, soul, and reveals the things of God to us. And so all of our experiences, all the words that we hear, all the words that we say, all the things that we're doing, especially in the, in the realm of church world, we have to test. We have to test. We know that we are when, with God because he has given us the spirit. But church, test spirits. Make sure, make sure, make sure. Does it hold up to this light? Does it hold up to the word of God? Is Christ being glorified? Is the glory being given to the Lord? Is there a humility? Is there a submission to the Bible? Test the spirits, test the spirits, test the spirits. Father, I want to thank you that you have given us a a standard that we can look into our lives with. Thank you that we've been given this 
this test. Thank you that you've been very clear. Thank you that you invite us into your, your word, that you invite us into this life. And thank you for telling us and warning us that there could be pitfalls, that there are false prophets, that there is an enemy that, that strives against us. And Lord, we want to stand firm in the name of Jesus Christ as a church and as individuals. And we're going to take our stand against anything false that is not of you. Lord, we praise you for the gift of your word. We praise you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We praise you for the gift of your Son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. I love you guys. I will see you next week.